if you've been with us uh, for a while, you know we're in a, a, a series um, called He Gets It. And uh, it's, it's a, we're looking at sort of the life of Jesus. We're recognizing that somehow when God uh, takes on and assumes human flesh and becomes a full human being, he doesn't just sort of fake it. He doesn't just kind of come down and, and go through the motions. Instead, um, the Godhead itself, through the, the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, takes on all of the deepest and darkest and hardest things that human beings experience. Um, we've been following uh, the passion narrative, where we've been following um, the story of, of how Jesus comes to crucifixion. And we've seen um, that, that Jesus, like us, has been abandoned. Jesus, like us, has been accused and mocked. Jesus, like us, has been bullied. Today, we're going to step back to something um, that's uh, it's the beginning of Jesus' ministry, but it's so important um, because it's something that we experience so regularly, and that is Temptation. Even if you're not a Christian, even if you don't, uh, if you've never believed in Jesus, you don't you believe in God. Even even if that's the case, you still understand that there are things that you should and shouldn't do, and you often find yourself desiring to do those things that you don't want to do. And Jesus did too. Our theme verse, if we want to take a look, is uh, from Hebrews. We're actually going to see where um, this this verse comes from today. We do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. That might be a little hard for us to believe. I mean, isn't, you know, Jesus is perfect, he's super awesome, he's a great guy, he's love, you know, he loves everybody. It's hard to imagine uh, that he can understand what our temptations are like. Because if we're honest, some of our temptations are pretty dark, and they're kind of shameful. I mean, there are those of us here who, you know, we, especially when you, you know, in, involve things of, of, of sexual nature, involve things um, uh, of, of greed and power, there's things inside of us that we really don't like to talk about at cocktail parties. And we certainly don't want to say, oh, yeah, you know, that's something that really draws me, right? And, and, and it's doubly difficult for us to imagine that Jesus, you know, the most perfect man who ever lived, can identify with that. I think he can, um, and I think we're going to see that in our text today. So let's read it together. Um, this is uh, Luke 4, 1 to 13, New King James Version. I'll just read the whole thing. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. There he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written... In Deuteronomy, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a single moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and, the glory, and the, their glory with it. For this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, just, just worship before me and all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it's written in Deuteronomy, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it's written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, in Psalm 91. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Also, Psalm 91. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said in Deuteronomy, You shall not tempt or test Yahweh your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. 
If you know the Gospel of Luke, you know that uh, the devil comes off the scene right here in chapter 4 and doesn't, doesn't show back up until the betrayal and execution of Jesus. Now, this certainly doesn't seem like Jesus is dealing with temptations as we deal with them. So let's go back through the text a little bit more carefully and see what's going on. Um, the first thing to notice is he's hungry. He's been, uh, he's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And so when the enemy comes to him, the first thing that is, is, is he wants to tempt him with is, uh, is, is bread, food. And really, this doesn't seem like this is a bad thing, right? Like, say, you know, you have all the God magic in the world and you can do whatever you want. And you're really, really hungry. I mean, what's wrong? What's wrong with Jesus turning a stone into bread so he can eat? That seems like a pretty reasonable thing to do. Well, uh, we don't actually in the 21st century have any experience of genuine hunger, right? In the 21st century West, uh, there is probably nobody here who has actually been like, Starving. We say it a lot. Like, if, I, if I've gone about four and a half hours without eating, I'm like, I'm starving. But realistically, very few people alive today in the 21st century West have any notion of what hunger is. In fact, if you're like me, the real problem is not hunger. It's eating too much. And there are a few things that I really like eating. I have a picture of both of them. Uh, I've been a big fan of chocolate fudge brownie since, uh, since my high school days. Um, Scott actually was the one who turned me on to that, my friend Scott Eichler, and it's, it's, it's never gone away. You know, I'm not saying there's any bad Ben & Jerry's flavors, but there's definitely one that's the best, and it's that one. Also, notice on the right there, that may look like a larger uh, McDonald's fry than you're used to seeing. True fact. So uh, right now, after, in, the, in the wake of that documentary, Supersize Me, you remember that came out? And everyone's like, don't eat McDonald's because it'll cause your kidney to fail. Um, so McDonald's all in the West began to pretend that it's a healthy meal. Right? So now if you go to McDonald's, they have salads that, you could, that no one's ever bought, but they're there just in case anyone. And they also have like, um, you know, smoothies and, and coffee that's really good for you. So, and, and the other thing they've stopped doing is like, they used to have these really, just like, they'd take like the large, uh, the supersized drink and they'd just fill it with fries. They've stopped that because it's unhealthy. But two years ago, in a country where everyone is in tip-top shape, Japan, McDonald's released Mega Potato. Mega potato. It's an extra wide fry meant for sharing. They didn't have it when I was there, but man, looking at that, gosh, it's like a dream come true. <laughs> now, uh, for the most part, I'm able to resist Ben and Jerry's uh, chocolate fudge brownie. I'm able to resist mega potato because I don't live in Japan anymore. Uh, but there are times when resistance is more difficult. These next two pictures uh, indicate those two times. First, when I'm dog tired. That dog has been slamming away on the keyboard all day long, answering emails, phone calls. And finally, the kids, the little puppies come home and have exhausted her or him. And so he just passes out at the keyboard. In that moment, when you're passed out at the keyboard, if someone offers mega potato. It's really hard to say no. That's when you want to say, yes, this will make me feel better. This, because right now I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I'm weak, I'm, I'm wiped out. 
Contrast that to when you're having a great time with your kids. Uh, this is a father throwing water balloons with his children. That seems like fun. If you're, in a, if you're you know, doing something with your friends or you're, you're really strong, things are going well at work, life is full and, and exciting and things are going well, well, then you don't need mega potato to make you feel better. You've got, you're strong. You're, you're in a place of strength. And so the temptation, the desire, is less, it has less power over you. In fact, uh, the, the social psychologists, they say that there's actually um, like a limited amount of willpower that each person has during the day. And the, the tireder you get, the less willpower you have until you're kind of on empty. And then once you're on empty, it's almost impossible to resist anything that you really, really want. Now, what uh, the, the devil is doing is he's, he's, he's trying to get Jesus to, to kind of do like a little shortcut, right? He's like, hey, Jesus, I know that God has told Israel that Israel's supposed to depend on God for provision, right? The Father is going to be the one to provide. Israel has failed at that over and over and over again. Jesus, Jesus, your mission is to, is to succeed in that. You're supposed to be the one. Next slide, please. Who, uh, who is, is willing to wait on God's provision to have whatever. In this case, food. And so Jesus sees what's going on here. And uh, again, note, 40 days. He's probably really hungry. And he's in the wilderness. It's, I mean, he's looking around. He's like, I don't see any food. And maybe he's remembering that God provided manna to the children of Israel as they were, you know, exiting the, going through the wilderness uh, for the 40 years. Maybe he's thinking about that. But his point is, devil, I'm not going to do it on my terms. Because my job is to do things on God's terms. And so he quotes from Deuteronomy where uh, the Lord says in more context, like, I am going to teach you, Israel, that you're not going to live by bread, but by every word that proceeds from my mouth. And Jesus quotes that, and he resists. But really, the, the, the takeaway here is that Jesus gets it when we're tempted, when we're weak, right? Jesus gets what it's like to be tempted when you're weak. I mean, I don't you know, want to go into too much detail here, but uh, we all experience this, especially those of us, um, if we have desires and, and temptations that are deep down, that are kind of dark, that we're not real proud of, that we wish weren't the case, we know that those things are the easiest to go after, when everything's going wrong, when we're falling apart, when we're exhausted, when we're anxious, when we're alone, when we're isolated, when we don't have the strength of, of a community around us, that's when we're most likely to indulge the things that we really aren't proud of. And if that's where you're at, if there's something that has been gnawing at you, and you've been, been pushing it off and pushing it off and pushing it off, and, it, and it's getting worse and worse and worse, Jesus gets it. Let's go on the text, uh, the second uh, temptation. The devil takes him up on a high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Uh, I think maybe what's going on here is, is not just the, the, the kingdoms that are contemporaneous with Jesus, but maybe all of history. It's hard to know exactly what is meant here, but, but it's, a, it's a spectacular vision. And the devil's like, all this I'm going to give you. And the glory. You're going to be at the top. And, and the devil says, it's been, I'm allowed to do this. The Father has given me the right to do this, which is a very strange thing to think about, but it seems like that, that's true, that at least at this point in time, God has given power over to the enemy, and, and the enemy is ruling over the world. And he's like, hey, buddy, I can give this to you. All you got to do is worship me. Well, okay, we might have a gut reaction, like we're probably not supposed to worship the devil. 
But what's the temptation here? What is it that is you know, grabbing at Jesus? Uh, so a lot of us probably have a desire that maybe uh, our kids would go to college. Right? That's a good thing. Apparently, back in the day before college was uh, obscenely corrupt and ridiculous, college was a place where you could go and have your horizons broadened, you would meet amazing people, and then after you were done, you could uh, look forward to uh, using your degree as a way to get into a, a, a better financial situation for the long term, right? That was the idea behind college, and, and that's a good thing, right? And so, uh, the next slide, the, we, we might recognize that going to get graduating from college is a really, really good thing. And so on the right there, you have a nice family, and Jorge Ramirez is celebrating. He's the first, uh, the first um, of person in this family who's ever graduated from college. Mom and dad are beaming. It's amazing. On the left, if you haven't heard about this, it's one of the, first off, really, for the last two years, uh, news has been just phenomenal. Uh, it's been so great. Every day there's another more ridiculous story than the day before. And I've been ceaselessly entertained. So far in 2019, I think this is my favorite story. Uh, Lori Laughlin, um, she's famous. She's on Wind Calls the Heart. Uh, it's, and, and also uh, the Fuller House. She was also on Full House back in the day. Lori Laughlin is a famous actress my wife loves very much. And, uh, and I can't stand. Um, and it has this really wholesome, like, good kind of vibe in, 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 the, in the movies and the shows. And Lori had a dream. She dreamed that her daughter, Olivia Jade, would graduate from the University of Southern California. A great dream, a good thing. The problem was Olivia Jade spends all of her time as a social media influencer instead of studying or working. And so she doesn't have very good grades. And she didn't have... So Lori did the thing that every conscientious parent does. And she spent a half a million dollars bribing the crew coach of USC to... <laughs> they just... They just uh, that, that, that was... See, the thing is, like... Once I found this photo, I realized that there had been no bribes. There's evidence that, that Olivia Jade really is on, on the crew team. Uh, that's, that's, no, I'm just kidding. That's fake. I can tell what a Photoshop looks like. <laughs> now, what's the issue here? The issue is not that USC is bad. It's not that going to college is bad. It's not that Olivia Jade wanting to go to college. It's not even that Lori Laughlin wanting Olivia Jade to go to college is bad. What's bad is that Lori Laughlin was looking at this good thing and wants to take an easy, short-circuit path to get there. I guess for most, for most of us, a half a million dollars is not exactly the easy path. But hey, we're not married to the guy who invented Massimo, and we haven't had like a 35-year career in, in Hollywood. So it's different, different world, and that's okay. Now, going back to the text. What is the issue here? The issue, you know, unlike us, we, we, our temptations are usually for bad things, although sometimes for good things. But what Jesus, the temptation for him, is that right now at this moment, he has the opportunity to do what he was born to do, and that is rule the earth the way it ought to be ruled. All of Jesus' experience, his life walking through, you know, Jerusalem and Israel, it, 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 all he sees is injustice. He sees failure. He sees people who are marginalized and excluded for terrible reasons. He sees the world completely disrupted, not the way that it's supposed to be. He sees the Roman Empire oppressing the people. He sees the religious elites oppressing the people. He sees the people being denied the opportunity to worship God the way they want to. And, he, and in the deepest part of him, he wants to fix it. 
He wants to be in control, the kingdom of God, to actualize it fully, to make it the way that it's supposed to be. And the devil says, okay, we can do that. Just just bow down to me and I will make sure that you have the authority and the power to bring the kingdom everywhere. Well, that seems reasonable, right? That seems really good. It seems like a really good thing, except Jesus knows that the Father's plan for him is not to just become king, not to just win a political war. Jesus has been called to win a spiritual war. And unfortunately for Jesus, that means going through the way of the cross. And the devil says, you want to bring the kingdom of God? Well, just cheat with me and I'll make sure you get in. But Jesus goes back to Deuteronomy and he says, you shall worship Yahweh your God and him only shall you serve. What he's saying is, it's it's not going to be your way. It's not going to be my way on my terms. It's going to be instead the Father's way, the Father's terms, even if it costs me everything. next thing in your note sheets, Jesus gets what it's like to be tempted to get good things the wrong way. I mean, we all have experienced this. Uh, that desire to, to, to just take a shortcut, to, to get what you really, really want, but instead of in God's time, instead of in God's power, in our time, in our power. Going back to the text. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. So now uh, Satan takes Jesus to the very top of the temple. Uh, in a, it's a crowded area. Jesus is right at the top. It's a very tall thing. G- jumping off this temple would be suicide. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. It's written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. If you want to in your pupils, you can open up to Psalm 91, and you're going to see that the devil is very accurate in what he says. He's, uh, he's quoting uh, the psalm. He's saying, look, Jesus, you know, if you just, if you just look in, in, in God's word, I mean, you've just told me that you're supposed to subsist on every, all the words that come from God. Okay, well, here they are. And again, this doesn't seem like a, like a bad thing, right? Like, what's wrong with... So, why shouldn't Jesus just jump off and let the angels save him and, and, and presumably he can do that? Why not? What's wrong with that? Aaron's, uh, Aaron's in the nursery today, so we can talk about her. She won't hear me. Dang it. Apparently she had, okay, well, I'll whisper. Uh, you know, next, next slide here. Aaron and I have never fought. Um, we have a perfect marriage. I'm just kidding. We have a, our marriage is good, but not. It's not. Well, maybe the perfect marriage involves fighting. I don't know. The point is, we have fought, and uh, I. Most recently, the the thing that's been going on is so. Aaron, after having Soren, after you know giving birth, she got a lot of time off of work, right? And so uh, during that time, she felt obligated to do all of the household chores, um, and I was like, I totally supported that, like, <laughs> like. Right on, honey. Um, and so I got into this zone for about like three or four months where I didn't lift a finger. It was honestly the best four months of our marriage. It was amazing. And uh, 
But then, uh, right around January, she had to start going back to work. Now, granted, only three days a week. So she's going, it's not full time, right? And so she still feels this tremendous obligation to take care of all the stuff in the house, which again, I fully support. And so, uh, you know, presumably on Mondays and Fridays when she's off work, she's going to get it all done, right? Well, God bless Erin. She is close to Super Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel, whatever the superwoman girl is these days. She's close to that, but even she's human. And there came a point where she was getting behind the dishes and the laundry, and she wouldn't say anything. She, was, she wasn't going to ask. She was like, she's hoping that I was going to figure it out. I'm like sitting there playing Assassin's Creed, being like, is the, are my underwear done, honey? <laughs> we get that done yet? Uh, so finally, finally I, like, I clue in, and I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, I got I to gotta fix this. So I, so I, get, I, I begin hammering some dishes. I begin rocking laundry, and I'm sitting there. And while I'm doing it, I'm like, she sure is lucky to have me. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. I know it sounds ridiculous, but this actually happened. Where I'm sitting, I'm like, gosh, working full-time, doing dishes too. Well, what has she been doing? Taking care of a kid? How hard is that? I've done it. You know, and, and so I'm beginning to like just, uh, it, it's this weird thing what's going on in my head where like, like even though by any objective measure I'm being a complete idiot, uh, I, I have managed to justify to myself my bitterness and resentment. This is a fascinating thing that human beings are capable of. It, it seems that like when we have this really strong notion of how the world is, what it's like, and our place in it, and, and whenever any uh, opposing evidence comes in, we immediately find a way to like just shove it to the side. We can justify whatever it is we want. It's incredible. I knew a guy uh, in the 90s, um, and uh, he was a very modest man. A modest Christian man. He, uh, he, he was always like kind of being like, oh, if you've, you know, you should never have a nice car. You should never do this because that's not, you know, how Jesus would want things. Which, by the way, I think is ridiculous, but whatever. That was his deal. That was awesome. But then, this guy starts really killing it at work. He has like two or three years where he's just making bank. And so one day, I was, his, uh, his son was my friend, so I was over at, their, at, at his house, and I saw that there was construction going on in the backyard. I was like, oh, sweet, what's going on? He's like, uh, we're putting in a pool. I was like, that's awesome, really cool, I, how fun. He's like, no, 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 it's not for us. The pool is for ministry. It's to make sure that we can evangelize and bring the youth group over. And I'm like, who are you convincing, pal, me or you, man? Like, I, but you can see the point. He had had this, I think, in, in a lot of ways, really messed up notion of what uh, discipleship was. And but when he found a place where he where he was in this position to have something that he really wanted, he had to justify it. He had to like make up this crazy thing. It's going to be for God, you know. He brings God into it. We're gonna we're gonna make this a spiritual thing that we're doing. Really? Maybe, maybe it's just really easy for us to justify the things we want when we want them. If we go back to the text, you'll see that um, the devil is giving Jesus the opportunity to justify it. He's like, Jesus, look. Look, buddy. You can declare. Well, the, the, here's the idea. The idea is, so say Jesus jumps off the temple. Okay? What's going to happen is everyone's going to see this guy jumping off the temple, and they're going to see angels like protect him and drop him to the ground. And everyone at one moment is going to be like, that's the Messiah. He's from God. And Jesus is immediately going to be acknowledged as the Messiah. He's going to be given the, the keys to the kingdom. The whole country is going to acknowledge him as the Son of God. 
And the devil's like, look, and you can do it. It's right here. This, 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 this shortcut, this easy path to, to victory, to, to becoming what you want. It's right here in Psalm 91. Don't you see? Read it. Read it. God's going to protect you because you're his chosen one. So you should do this. And in Jesus' heart of hearts, he's realizing, if, you know, if I do this, then I don't have to take the way of the cross. I don't have to bear the cross. I don't have to bear the shame. I can just short circuit and bring the kingdom now. Start it here, right now. And, and I can even do it according to the scriptures. I'll still be following God's word, right? Jesus knows, however, that that's not the way God is asking him to operate. And says, no. In Deuteronomy, we're told not to test the Lord your God. Do not tempt Yahweh. Do not put Yahweh on the spot and say, I'm, I'm basically kind of forcing Yahweh's hand, right? God's up there. He's going to be like, this is the plan I have for you. And Jesus is like, you have to do this because I'm the Messiah. Right? That's kind of the, the, the logic behind it. And Jesus recognizes that. He says, I'm not here to force the Father's saying Instead, I'm here to obey. Uh, it's the next thing in your note sheets. Jesus gets what it's like to be tempted to justify taking the easy way out. Justify taking the easy way out. Now again, let's, okay, so let's get real. You know, actual things that human beings aren't Jesus, stuff that we deal with, things like addiction, things like pornography, things like illicit sex, things like uh, greed and power, things like all, that's, that's the stuff we actually deal with, right? So how is it, how is it that Jesus, I mean, Jesus is like, his temptation is like to, to, to save the world easily rather than hard. How is that in any way him recognizing, understanding us and our position? Uh, my cousin, I don't have a lot of mem- uh, memories of, of her because we didn't grow up too much together, but I do remember once we were both at my grandparents' ranch, and my grandparents' ranch uh, has a lot of mosquitoes. And I remember we were there for, I think she had already been there like a, um, a week or two by the time I got there, but when I got there, uh, she had this huge, uh, this huge mosquito bite, right? And if you've had a mosquito bite, you know they start out small, but if you keep scratching it, they get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And they actually even hurt even more and more and more. Well, she had, had absolutely zero self-control. And so at the very, from the very beginning, she was just scratching the heck out of this thing, blowing up. We know that scratching is bad. So why do we do it? Because for a second there, it feels really good. There's this, this, you're like, ah, ah, I get a lot of dry skin usually in the, in the winter. And man, there are times where like, you're just, just, just you might actually have Aaron do it. She has real fingernails like, and it feels incredible. And then it's worse the next day. You know what's really hard? It's really hard is to look at that mosquito bite and not scratch it. And then keep not scratching it. It's like, oh boy, just a little would be great. The longer you go without scratching it, the worse it gets. 
Listen, uh, this is from C.S. Lewis from uh, Mere Christianity. This is an awesome quote. He says, No man knows how bad he is till he has tried very hard to be good. A silly idea is current that good people do not know what temptation means. This is an obvious lie. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. That is why bad people in one sense know very little about badness. They've lived a sheltered life because they're always giving in. We never find out the strength of the evil impulse inside us until we try to fight it. And Christ, because he was the only man who never yielded to temptation, is also the only man who knows to the full what temptation means. The only complete realist. You know, the devil, the devil, okay, so the devil leaves, right? Jesus wins, right? What, you think, the, you think those deals were off the table suddenly? You think that for the rest of Jesus' ministry, he wasn't aware of the fact that if he just did a 180, he could, in fact, have everything that the devil promised him? Do you think that he's, so he's walking along, he's seeing injustice, he's seeing sin, he's seeing demonic power, he's seeing the rule of the empire, he's seeing the rule of the religious elites, and all the time, in the back of his mind, he knows all I gotta do is say one thing and I'm back in the game. He's looking at that mosquito bite, and it is really, really starting to itch. And the farther he goes in his mission from God, the more he wants to scratch it. In fact, we've been following him through the passion narrative. He's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, saying, God, please, if there is any way, don't make me do this. Don't make me do the cross. Father, please. And in the back of his mind, he knows the devil's waiting, being like, just, just turn around. It's going to be fine. Just, just scratch. So you're, you're sitting there, and you've, you've got some, some dark thing, something you're ashamed of. There's something that's going on, some bitterness, some anger. There's, there's some desire. And you're sitting there, and you're, you're like me. For the most part, yeah, you try and fight, but then you're like, oh, 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 I needed that. Jesus gets it. He knows how hard it's been. And then you, you, you make a change, and you're like, I, I need, I need, um, I need, Accountability. I need to, to really stop this. I need to, to break with this thing. And, and, and the entire time, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. He gets it. But the good news is this. Not only does he get it, the point of him resisting that temptation and going through the cross was so that he could grant the power in life to us in the community of faith through the Holy Spirit to actually succeed victorious over the things that torture us. His resistance is enough that he can forgive us when our resistance fails and he can empower us to to come back and to try again and this time to succeed. Because one man never gave in no matter how dark and how far you go, you can always be forgiven. Because one man never gave in, no matter how bad it itches, there is a place in a community that can empower you through the Spirit to resist and have victory. Temptation can get really, really, really bad. And we can get caught up in cycles of tremendous guilt, when we fail. 
That is not a healthy way to go about our Christian life. The glory of the cross, the beauty of it, is that no matter how many times you fall down, there's forgiveness. God doesn't quit. He doesn't give up on you. The same power, the same unyielding faithfulness that Jesus had his entire ministry to resist temptation, that same unyielding faithfulness is his mercy towards us. It doesn't quit. It doesn't stop. It doesn't just go. He's like, oh, I gave you four chances. On the fifth time you screwed up, I'm done with you. That's not how Jesus works. That's not how God works. God works instead to say, no matter how far and how deep and how lost and how messed up you are, I'm still for you and I will never be against you. And so for those of us who are battling these temptations, for those of us who feel like we, we, we're so far off, we've, we've, we can't be redeemed, no. But at the same time, if we're enwrapped and we're trapped and, and, it's, and it's, it's owning us and destroying us, if you take a stand against temptation and it really starts to hurt, and it really starts to itch, and it really is getting to you, he gets it. He's not going to give up on you. And in this place, he's going to give you victory. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we pray. um, We praise you, God. Praise you for the power to resist. We praise you for Jesus who experienced the the deepest and darkest and hardest temptation at the moment of death, crying out to be delivered from it and yet knowing, Father, your will for him. God, I pray for any person here who is wrapped up in temptation, who's um, just owned by it. I pray, God, that the spirit of resistance, the spirit of victory that Jesus has will, will, will be given and that... Um, through accountability and through community and through openness, that that there can be real victory against these dark things. God, for those who are wrapped up in guilt because um, they just keep succumbing and they they look at Jesus and they're like, Jesus, you can't understand. You don't know what it's like. I'm a failure and I'm no good and I'm not. God, I, I just ask a measure of recognition of the mercy and the grace of the cross. A recognition that you don't quit. Jesus doesn't quit. The Holy Spirit doesn't quit. The triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, never gives up on people. Fill them with your mercy, your love, and your forgiveness. Stand them up that we might begin resisting again. For all of us, God, I just pray that when we're in those places, that we'll always remember that you've been there too and that you get it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.